Hi, this is Bill Arnold. Missed a show or need me talking to help you sleep tonight? I have several solutions to that situation. Here are the podcasts from the show. You are the best for listening and supporting Faith Radio. Welcome to the afternoon show. I'm Bill Arnold. We are going to continue our prayer series. Very much looking forward to this. I hope you enjoy it as much as I do. I have, always feel like I learned so much from our guests and from Dr. Peter Capstrom, who's joined me in studio. Peter, welcome. Thanks, Bill. It's always great to be here. This has been uh, quite a fun series to be a part of. It's sort of a follow-up to that salvation series. We uh-huh. didn't know for sure where would this all go, but it's been it's been fantastic so far. I've loved it, and I, I think everybody is interested in growing and nurturing their prayer life and understanding what does it mean to communicate with God and and how to uh, improve that intimacy with Him. Yeah, I think we've had anything from just some real simple, practical, uh, accessible advice. I, I do remember I, I, his name, Daniel. Uh, it was Daniel. Daniel somebody, Henderson. Daniel yes. Henderson. He yes. just, he helped us pray through the scriptures. Oh, I, yeah. I still will remember that, that he, he had the capacity to take just about any scripture passage and be able to outline kind of just a template for prayer mm-hmm. for those of us like myself that maybe haven't always been the prayer warriors that have wanted to be. It was just a very simple, accessible way to start doing that too. Then answering some of the harder questions. We've had a number of guests that have talked about uh, the idea of what it means to actually get in touch with the very real God of heaven while mm-hmm. you're in the midst of prayer and to mm-hmm. enter into sort of silence and solitude. There's just been a number of different helpful tips along the yeah. way. You've heard people pray before, Peter, I'm sure. And your thought is you talk like you know the one you're talking to. Yeah. Oh, it's boy. profound, isn't it? You, you, it, I don't, and, and it's not necessarily even that the words are different, but oh. there, but there's something that happens. The right? veil is removed. It's like it really is. there's intimacy going on, which I know that I want more of, and I think it, you want more of. Everybody wants more of. For sure, yeah. I know. I was said of a teacher that I know at one point that uh, one of the students said, "Gosh, you know, when you open your mouth, there's a familiarity and an intimacy that is hard for me to capture, and it's hard for me to describe." But but it is it's real. You're not, and I think it's the difference, Bill, between talking about God. And, and or talking about ideas about God and actually interacting somehow in real, mysterious, but real ways with the God of heaven. I mean, Jesus himself said, lo, I am with you always, even into the end of the age. And he didn't say, lo, my theology is with you always, even to the end of the age. Lo, my ideas are with you. And those things are all very important. But he did make this spectacularly stunning claim when he said, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. I know, again, I, you know, my context is often with a lot of our young mm-hmm. students, 80 and 100 per semester uh, from different evangelical stripes. But their common question from that is, how do I begin to access the voice of my shepherd in a reliable way through prayer to help guide and sustain and encourage and nurture and grow me in my faith? Do we need a basis for a conversation? And if I come up to you on the street and I go, hey, hey buddy, because I don't know you. Right. Uh, that's one thing. Or if I come up to you and say, Hey, I know your good friend Drew. Now all of a sudden I got your attention. It's very true. Because you're going to respond to me. It's like, "Oh, you know Drew." Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I think right there to to have a familiarity with the with the God of heaven to whom we're speaking and and to I think even what you're saying there too, Bill, is the idea that um if I can be with other people in prayer as vulnerable as that is, 
and and to be with people who maybe have been on the journey before me in prayer a little bit more. And and some of our guests have really been that they've represented that as people that I can learn from and grow with. And and um, and maybe I'm beginning to learn about who this God is secondhand from them. But we're sort of all together in that. There, there's a real possibility of learning from one another in mm-hmm. this. And, and our guests have been great. I for agree. That. Our guest uh, tonight. We're going to bring him on just after the break is uh, Dr. Greg Borgon, and he's been. Uh, studying God's Word forever. And, Before, yeah. I had him in seminary way back, really? way back in the day. Yeah, he so was as inspirational of a figure that, yeah, that, that I had in that time. He's a great so, yeah. thinker. Yeah. So I was thinking about this, Peter, uh, when we look at the Lord's Prayer, and it starts with our Father. When we say our Father, we're coming to him in Jesus' name, aren't we? We are, and in in that there's a couple things about that word Father there, I mean, and, and the our as well is that there, we are part of a much bigger community of people that are making the claim of our. We, even in our prayer that we have individually with God, I think it's really important to remember that we're part of a much bigger group of people that are also saying our Father. But I think what's really compelling about that start to that prayer is that that is in the, the original language of the Hebrew and kind of in the Aramaic there is the idea of our Abba, our Daddy. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, there's a familiarity and an intimacy. And the Jew, that would have been really disruptive to the life of the Jews back then to hear Jesus, word becoming flesh, dwelling among us, the one who says that the Father and I are one, right? He's saying, pray this way in an intimate, familiar way with Abba, because their whole experience as Jewish people up into that time was that the presence of God had been behind the veil in a temple that was removed from the outer courtyard, removed from the inner courtyard of the temple, and only once a year could a high priest access the very presence of God. And when, and when Jesus died on the cross, one of the, the tremendous cataclysmic things that happened among the many things that happened there is that veil in that temple torn in two from top to bottom and the presence of God exploded out among the people. And I think Jesus knew that's what was coming. And so he was teaching now his disciples that ultimately carry on this kingdom forward. He was saying, you are going to have an increasing familiar intimacy with the God of heaven. Begin to start thinking in terms of our Abba, the, the intimate daddy from which we've come and with whom we're in relationship. That's very different than this big God removed somewhere in the Andromeda galaxy. This is a God with whom we're familiar. Mm-hmm. When we go to God in prayer, Peter, there's going to be, I think, a couple of approaches. And if you are looking for certain outcomes in life, you might be going to God seeking those outcomes. Yeah, for sure. Where, God, you can be very useful in helping me achieve many of the things I would like. Or we can go to God in a spirit of uh, servanthood where I say to God, I owe you everything. And so my praise is going to be first and foremost out of my heart to you. Now, it says, give us this day our daily bread. So we're good to ask for that. Lead us not into temptation. It's absolutely good for that. Forgive us of our sins. It's just this beautiful designed prayer that if we look at it and study it carefully, we realize that the goal is to say, I owe you everything. I worship you. I'm here to serve you. Yeah, I really think that's beautifully said. I mean, Jesus says very clearly, you cannot serve two masters. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a just follow me only in this. And, and I think... I think it's very understandable, and I sympathize with the practice or the, or sort of the desperate cry when things are difficult in our lives to maybe treat God as a possible resolution to the difficulty, mm-hmm. right? To say, please help me get this job, or please um, have my prodigal son or daughter come home, or please Great fix my marriage. I mean, these are all important things, and yeah. God does move in those places. 
But at the same time, I think there is a deeper invitation that you said at the end of the day, and that is that as life begins to strip us away and, and those things to which we maybe lean into in this world to bring fulfillment, to bring hope, that ultimately can't do that, right? They, they, are, they are beautiful things in, in many ways, but they do not have the capacity to, to change the human heart, bring help or hope, whether it be a job or a relationship, whatever it is. And so I think this prayer that you referenced begins to strip some of that away. We still come with our request, mm-hmm. but the request is not the only reason why we're coming. At the end of the day, it's like, but thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we don't always come calmly. No, look at the stress don't. and anxiety that Jesus uh, what, had in the Garden of Gethsemane. Yeah. He was sweating blood. Sweating blood. Yeah. yeah. And, and he did. And so <laughs> I haven't, no, no, I barely yeah. sweat. I don't even sweat Yeah, I mean, that require exercise. I want to sweat. I I think sweat looks cool. <laughs> just don't do it in the least. But but you're not wrong. I mean, right? He just and, and I think in there he is saying, let this cup pass for me. So again, we can sympathize with, please, we, we don't want to have to walk in these circumstances anymore. But to your point that you just made beautifully, there was a second half to that prayer. And he said, mm-hmm. okay, but yes. nevertheless, let your will be done. And he got up and he picked up that cross and he followed it out and that was not his life did not get better for those next several hours it got substantially worse as he followed out the will of the father and yet what was unleashed in those times changed the fabric of the universe as we know it what if peter those first two words of that prayer our father is a big sticking point for people because their earthly father uh, was very challenging maybe abusive um, maybe unloving, maybe distant, maybe not even present. So yeah. oh boy. W- what do you do if you say our father and you want those words to resonate and they don't? Boy, that's again, a really, I think an important statement to make because if we ever did another series of any kind, uh, one of the series that we could do is who is this father in heaven? Because I think we have to do so much deconstruction of what our experiences are on earth. And, and, and psychologists say that our first ideas about God often come from who our parents sure. are. Those very first looks into the face of our parents gives us some idea about something. And we often superimpose upon the God of heaven, the experiences of our earthly father. And, and again, that can be a very painful thing. So to somehow get a clear-eyed view of who is this Father in heaven who is so for us and, and, and how great is his love that he lavishes upon us. And, and the language of the text about who this God is, I think we could spend weeks just saying, who is the Father in heaven? Mm-hmm. Because once you understand that intimacy and you have that love for the Father, it is su- such an overwhelmingly powerful it is amazing yeah. thing. Yeah, it's it's sort of the beginnings of the whispers of a, of what I would call the unencumbered life. It doesn't mean that bad things aren't happening in this world. Clearly, Jesus says in this world we're going to have trouble, but we can live the unencumbered life. The unencumbered life is a life in which, in the midst of fear, there's a different kind of hope that comes, or in the midst of uh, a grief, there's a different kind of promise that comes. And so, again, I know those people that you described earlier that have a familiarity with their Abba, with their Father in heaven through prayer, and. Part of what comes with that is the unencumbered life. And it doesn't mean uh, bad things and it doesn't mean you don't cry or spin or all, but somehow they just aren't carrying the same baggage Mm -hmm. in life. Yeah. Take a little break. When we come back, we'll bring on our special guest, Dr. Greg Borgon, and we will be right back in 90 seconds. Music that's very familiar. It's walk-up music to Dr. Greg Borgon. Go to heartofawarrior.org to learn more about Greg and his powerful ministry. Greg, welcome to the show. Good to be here, Bill. You know, I was just telling Peter at the break about the way that you designate um, uh, descriptive words for each one of your grandkids, and he was uh, 
just blown yeah. away by that. Would you just give him a quick refresher? Yeah, it's course? phenomenal, Greg. I'd love to hear more. Yeah, when they were when they were really young, um, when we took over responsibility for raising them, I knew that God had compelled us to be strategic parents, my wife and I, to our four grandsons. And one of those uh, strategies was to give them values when they were very young. For Braden, it was strength and honor. For Kieran, it was courage and valor. For Galen, it was goodness and integrity. And for Lachlan, it was truth and wisdom. And initially, it was just a, a wonderful way in which we greeted each other because no other grandfather did that, especially with their friends when they'd share with them. So I'd just say, strength and honor, son, and say, strength and honor, Papa. But I looked for that teachable moment <laughs> when I could translate it into reality. Like for Braden, it was at a um, child development center. I, Paul from the director said she wanted to speak to me about Braden. I thought, sure enough, he got into trouble. And so I showed up, and she closed the door, and she says, I wanted to tell you something. Braden is very popular. Everyone wants to play with him, but he noticed they weren't playing with a little girl. And he stood up in front of his friend, said he wouldn't play with them until they played with her. Well, I got so puffed up and proud. We got in the car, and I and this was his teachable moment. And I said, Braden, tell me what happened at school today. And so he told me. I says, Braden, how does Papa greet you? And he says, strength and honor. And how do you greet him back? He says, strength and honor. I said, son, what you did on the playground today took strength, and it, you did the honorable thing. Hmm. And it clicked for him. So I've done it for all four of my grandsons. It's written into their um, blessings that are on my wall here. We call it the Wall of Champions. And so we still, to this day, Braden, now 22, just the other day after Christmas, he greeted me. He says, as he left, he says, strength and honor, Papa. I said, strength and honor, chokes son. chokes me up. That, has, that absolutely chokes me up every it, time I hear this. That is it's an incredible story. And, Greg, you know, I know we're talking about prayer today, but one form of prayer is the blessing. I mean, it's it's the spoken sure. verbal word of the kingdom. I mean, this is part of that expression of that, right? Absolutely. I mean, when you go ahead and bless your grandchildren, and when they walk by this wall of champions in our family room, sometimes I'll come up behind them and I'll just say, can Papa bless you again? And I'll read that blessing into their life because they're not going to hear that in the world. They need to know somebody loves them, somebody cares about them, somebody esteems them, something, somebody sees something in them they may not see in themselves. Somebody sees value in them, and, and certainly a blessing in reading that into their life is not only a prayer to the Heavenly Father, it's a prayer embedded into the soul of your children. Hmm. Bill, I don't know how I qualify to get on that wall of champions, but whatever the criteria is, I want in. Right now. I know you do. I want in of that deal. Yeah, I at least want you to take a picture of it and send it to me. I just want to see the picture of the I wall. I do too. I just yeah, yeah no, it's, it's great stuff. It's great stuff. It's powerful. So here we are, uh, teacher meeting student, which is awfully nice to have you two in the same room on the same show. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Greg, it was, it was a number of years ago. I know, but I had you in a leadership class at Bethel Seminary, and we were sort of chuckling oh, really? out there for sure. You know, and, and I have to say, just with the inspiring way in which you, you attack different subjects like that, I just remember walking out at 9.30 every night feeling like I could chew on bricks. I just I just wanted to, you know, you, you were no matter what you said, it just felt like it was real, and I wanted to be a part of it, and I would run through walls oh, at that I point. I really appreciate that. Stuff. Thank you so much. That's encouraging. Yeah. So, Greg, let's let's back up the kitchen sink when it comes to prayer and what you've learned sure. over your uh, 47 years of being a believer. Yeah. Well, I came to Christ and received him as my Savior and Lord, August 11, 1973. I just come back from Vietnam. Immediately after our only child was born, I prayed to receive Christ standing over my daughter's crib. I remember in the dark of the night on Big Coppet Key in the Florida Keys. 
So it's been 47 plus years since then. And so I have learned some things about prayer. The, one of the first things I learned about prayer, and it's probably not new to many of the listeners, uh, that prayer is urged by God and part of God's permissive will. When we look at Philippians 4, 6, and 7, it says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now, that word present, translated to English, is an imperative. So that's why some say it's not only urged by God, it's commanded by God. Now, his perfect sovereign will can't be thwarted. But his permissive will gives us freedom to ask. And that's what prayer often is, is, is asking our Heavenly Father. So in 1 John five fourteen, this is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything, according to his will, and I would add to that permissive will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we ask of him. So that's a, that's a great promise. That's one thing that's been driven home in 47 years. Um, a second one is prayer is simply communication with God. It's a conversation, really, with our Creator. He knows what we need before we ask. But like any parent, he enjoys hearing from us, no matter how clumsy or unclear our conversation might be. He knows what we're trying to say. He knows what we need before we ask him. According to Matthew 6, 8, he knows what's on our hearts. But again, like a parent, when our child comes to us, we know what they're probably going to ask. We know what they're probably, uh, what they mean, but we just love hearing them talk to us and share with us. I think that's true of the Heavenly Father with prayer. He just wants to communicate with us. Yeah, Greg, let me ask you this. Uh, when I know in Romans it talks about, you know, there's times that the Holy Spirit uh, goes to bat for us because, you know, mm-hmm. we're uttering groans or I can't, what is the passage? I can't articulate it right yeah, now on the spot. The Spirit sort of intercedes yes, and we'd have, spirit. yeah, yeah, yes, intercedes yes. the groans that are too deep for our words, basically. Yes. So yeah. on, on, one, mm-hmm. on one hand, there's that, those Holy Spirit interceding. On the other hand, I think of the time when Bartimaeus approaches Jesus. He's obviously a blind beggar. He walks up to Jesus, and Jesus says, what would you like me to do? Mm-hmm. And he said, I want to see. So it sounds like sometimes what you said is so spot on. He, Like a parent, he does want us to ask and articulate what it is we want. Sounds like yeah, other times, I mean, it's though. It's not that he doesn't know. He already knows what we want, but he wants to hear it from us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's pretty powerful. Um, another thing I've learned is that prayer should always begin with confession of known sin. I mean, it says the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective, according to James five 17. We've been declared righteous before God through Christ, according to Romans 5, uh, 16 through 19. So confession in this case is an honest acknowledgement that we've sinned, that we've broken God's standard for holiness, that the penalty we justly deserve and could not pay has actually been paid by Christ on the cross. And through the work of the Holy Spirit, we can once again live a godly life. But it's kind of like clearing the decks, Bill. It's like getting rid of the, the barriers to the communication to make sure that the relationship is solid. Even though our Heavenly Father loves us unconditionally, we can break that relationship and break fellowship with Him. So we, we need to go ahead and clear the deck. So that's one thing that's absolutely necessary as we move into prayer. The fourth thing is our prayers are not in vain. They'll be heard. And you just mentioned the passage about the Holy Spirit in Romans eight twenty six through 28. We know we're going to be heard because we're a member of the family. Who doesn't want to hear from a member of the family 
that's loved unconditionally, what's ever on their heart. So we know we're going to be heard. Now, this one, next one gets pretty personal. Uh, personal prayer should be in private and should be concise. Matthew 6, 6 and 7 says, But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, don't keep on babbling like pagans, for they I think they'll be heard because of their many words. Now, I've often used a psalm as my prayer by making it personal to me. It's In the not-too-distant past, our family was faced with a gut-wrenching crisis that threatened, actually, to remove our grandchildren to a foster home. We're dealing with a powerful bureaucracy bent on taking them away from our daughter uh, for reasons out of our control. We've exhausted our, our limited resources, and, and we really expected the worst. And in the middle of my despair and discouragement, I came across Psalm 13, written by David as he anguished over circumstances uh, seemingly out of his control. I could relate. His words echoed my heart anguish. I decided to memorize the psalm and use it as my prayer to the Lord. And it's a short psalm. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and every day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me and answer, O Lord, my God. Give light to my eyes or I'll sleep in death. My enemy will say I've overcome him and my foes will rejoice when I fall. But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord, for he has been good to me. Now, David starts out in this, in this, this psalm, bearing his soul to the Lord and graphically speaks his mind of torment and agony. He knew his Heavenly Father is, was big enough to absorb that. He's honest and unvarnished in his remarks. You can hear his pain, can't you? Um, even in the midst of his dire circumstances, still waiting for God's response, David ends his prayer by declaring his trust in the Lord and remembers God's goodness to him in the past. He, he hasn't lost hope. This is the reason God says of him, after removing Saul, he made David their king. He testified concerning him. I have found David, son of Jesse, man after my own heart, and do everything I wanted to do. My family struggled for two years, fighting against all odds for the future of our grandchildren. Psalm 13 became my daily prayer as I draped myself across the ottoman that's here in my living room, pleading with God to intervene. Um, so that was a powerful lesson for me, that uh, I could take a psalm, and it spoke so much about what I was going through and pleaded before our Heavenly Father every single day draped across that ottoman. Um, another thing that I learned along with that is answers may be yes, no, or wait. Mm -hmm. I think that's a good place to pause, Greg. Uh, yes, no, or wait. I think yeah. that's where a lot of people find themselves uh, in their prayer life. Um, so we'll, we'll discuss that when we come back after the break. You're listening to the uh, prayer series that we do on Wednesdays at 5, Dr. Peter Kapsner and I are hosting uh, Dr. Greg Borg on today, heartofawarrior.org. If you want to learn more about Greg, we'll be right back.
What is for dinner? What are you having for dinner tonight, Peter? Well, I, I think it's I think mac and cheese was actually delivered to our door this afternoon. So really? I'm pretty, you know, and I got to say I'm pretty excited about that that situation. I feel like I'm ten, and I know it's not healthy, but I'm going to roll with it. We put some peas in it, okay. So that does it. So we do get a little <laughs> green vegetable into that deal. So I that's like that's it. for dinner tonight. How I about like for you, it. Bill? What are you what are you rolling with? I don't know yet. I'm okay. excited. Yeah. yeah. So we're back with Dr. Greg Borgon, and right before we went to break, uh, we were talking about prayers, which are yes, no, or wait. And Peter, I think you had a question. Yeah, I think in light of before you even kind of cover that part of it, Greg, and it's going to, I think, lead into it a bit. I, I'm curious just sort of your thoughts on some of the things that you're referencing in the, in the first half of this, which is that uh, how much of prayer is simply trying to understand and discern what God's will is so that we can bend the arc of our life towards what God is going to do, and how much do our prayers, when you talk about the prayers of a, of a righteous man availeth much, do we actually begin to change sort of with God at the helm, begin to change and affect sort of the outcomes in this world? So again, how much of it is just living in with what is going to already happen according to his will, and, and are we capable of actually being an agent of change in the world around us? Well, it, there, there are two possibilities here. One is, of course, the deeper the relationship is a Heavenly Father, you're going to know what His will is, and you won't have to pray about it because you should be acting on it and doing it. Um, but as you get to know Him more and more, you'll know what His will is for your life, and whether or not the prayer that you're about to share with Him is going to resonate with God's soul as much as it does with, with your own. But even in that case, God still wants to hear from us, regardless of whether or not uh, it may be on the fringe of God's will and his permissive will. It may even be a part of the sovereign will where nothing we're going to see is going to change that, but it's still the communication because prayer is, is just that. It, it's communication. And so I, I think that um, knowing God's will and doing it or knowing God's heart and understanding what his will is often will help us shape what we really want to say uh, that will hopefully get to the heart of God. And so that takes us back into what you were going to talk about, where we go and do make our requests of God, or we, we ask him for things in prayer. And you say that there tends to be maybe three different scenarios. There's the yeah. yes, no, maybe tell us more about that. Yeah, we like yes. <laughs> we want the yes, not so much the no or wait. Uh, when we do not get a response right away, it doesn't mean that he's not doing anything. He's at work behind the scenes. He's waiting for or maneuvering circumstances, events, or people to to align. Remember, this is under God's permissive will. That's why we can come to his throne of grace. But he often works through other people and circumstances, which in, in our uh, realm of, of, of life takes time. And so we need to trust that, that God is working. So once that alignment is there and those pieces are in place, um, when that happens, he responds. Now, each day I prayed that Psalm 13 aloud. I couldn't understand why God wasn't listening to me. I mean, it went on for a long time. I searched my heart to see if there was maybe some unconfessed sin. I couldn't believe he'd allow the courts to take our grandchildren from us, yet, yet I waited in the midst of my tears. Finally, after months of hopelessness, God placed the answer in my daughter's mind and heart. She would have to make a difficult but a courageous decision. She would give my wife and I legal and physical custody of, her four, of our four grandsons. The judge ruled in our favor. The baseless claims were vacated, much to the frustration of the forces that were aligned against us at the time. 
And over the next eight years, we raised our grandsons. Now the family is reunited, Mm. all of us. I didn't understand why God was seemingly unresponsive. I now know he was working behind the scenes in the heart of my daughter, in the heart of the judge, in opposition to our tormentors. That all took time. I learned, like David declared, that I could trust in his unfailing love, that salvation continues beyond conversion, that my tears were replaced with a song, and that God has been good to me. Mm -hmm. Greg, maybe you would uh, uh, share a little more on the idea of a sovereign will versus a permissive will. Yeah. A sovereign will is God's perfect will. Um, It's going to happen regardless. There's nothing that any human being or any act by any being, whether angelic or otherwise, is going to be able to thwart it. It's his perfect will. Um, Saving us was his perfect will, for instance. God's permissive will in that sphere under his sovereign will gives us the ability to make decisions. God may prefer that we go to the right, we choose to go to the left, um, and God just opens up a whole new set of opportunities for us based on that decision. Sin could interfere with, with the number of requests that we have, but under his permissive will, that's where prayer really resides. That's where if we're requesting of, of God a, a particular need, it's under his permissive will. And depending, as, as you just mentioned, if it's according to his will, and um, it's, it's within uh, the reason uh, with the circumstances, because we don't know all the players involved, then God will answer it. But that's his permissive will versus his sovereign will. Greg, is there a reason to think as we're working within the category of permissive will that uh, the, the more people you have praying, the more sort of outcome that comes from that? I mean, I think about the, the church prayer chains, and we immediately and understandably, when something is happening in life, we want to gather together a lot of people for prayer. But is there somehow strength in numbers in this, or how is there evidence for that? How do we understand that part of the topic? You know, that's a good question. I don't know what the answer to that is. I do know, though, that when prayers are echoed by hundreds or thousands based on a particular issue, it's a melody to the heart of God. And so, um, you know, I don't know if, if, if I had 500 people praying for something versus 12, if, because 500 prayed for something that I needed, that God's going to answer that. Um, so I just think God wants to communicate as, with as many people as he can uh, or as, as as are involved in the in the whole prayer process at the moment, but I'm not so sure I can biblically sustain whether or not a lot are praying or a few are praying that God will answer the a lot and not the few. What about something when we talk about sovereign will versus permissive will? When there is an example like Johnny Erickson who breaks her neck at 17 mm. and has been able to barely move the rest of her life, yet her impact has been profound. Yeah, yeah. Is that a permissive will? God allowed that to happen for the greater good that he knew would come as a result of it? Well, we're going to have to ask the Lord when we get to to see him. (laughs) I don't know if it was part of God's perfect will because he knew what would follow as a result or his permissive will and that, you know, the question that I always ask, why does God allow suffering? It isn't that God allows suffering, it's that it's the decisions we make and the consequences that come as a result of it. So I don't know what side of the ledger that falls on mm-hmm. for, for her, and and I don't really want to know. It could be God's perfect will that brought in an opportunity for her to be a, 
a mediator for a number of people's concerns and prayer, or, or if it's if it's just um, you know God's permissive will in terms of us living under the bondage that we are under the travail of of this broken world, the veil of tears, it's called, and uh, it was an unfortunate accident, but God brought something good out of it. And Greg, you talk about all of what you've learned over 47 years of prayer, and clearly there's a lot that we're sort of mining into here, but for you in those 47 years, did prayer always come easily to you? Is it something that you had to grow in and sort of work into the depths of, or, or uh, did it was just sort of right out of the gate, it was real easy? Well, here's here's one of the things I learned that it's correlated with this. I mean, prayer can be encouraging, uplifting, and reassuring regardless of negative circumstances that bring us to our knees. Scripture tells us to pray, it says, with all kinds of requests. In 2014, I was at the end of my rope. I mean, I was weary, and I was drained from the protracted battle uh, to save our grandchildren. I was feeling the huge weight of responsibility for our family. A friend called me and asked me to come with him to Israel. He was leading a group uh, to visit the Holy Land. I knew my heart needed to be rekindled. The fire of my faith kind of died down. Only the embers remained under the ashes of the damage we had endured, uh, defending against forces aligned to destroy us, actually. So I told my friend I'd come under two, uh, under certain conditions. Number one, I wouldn't, I, I, he would not tell the people in the group about my background, those that didn't know me. And two, he would not ask me to speak. I told him I was coming for one reason, to hear the voice of God, water for my quenched spirits. I thought I'd hear his voice in Masada. I thought I'd hear his voice when I was baptized in the Jordan River. I thought I'd hear his voice in the Garden of Gethsemane. I didn't hear it in any of those places. Three quarters of the way into the trip, we found ourselves in Jerusalem at the remnants of the western wall of the temple, that 180-some foot exposed section called the Wailing Wall, because many came to pray at the wall, lamenting their losses. As we stood at a distance from the wall on the plaza, the guy had asked us if we wanted to go to the wall and pray. In my mind, I was saying, absolutely not. I'm not going down to that wall and make a fool of myself. Before I knew it, I was at the wall. I felt the overwhelming urge to audibly pray the names of my family members into the wall. I didn't plan on doing that. I just, at that moment, when I had my hands against that wall, that's what came to me. Others were praying audibly in different languages. I and then after I prayed, the last name my family in the wall became silent. Now, this is going to sound a little odd. So it became silent, even though I could see others' uh, prayers' lips, the other prayers' lips moving. Then I heard the following. Greg, your family is in the palm of my hand. The surrounding noise once again could be heard. I was stunned. As I walked away, I started to rationalize what I heard. Did I simply hear what I wanted to hear? Was it the bad matzo balls I ate earlier that day? <laughs> <laughs> I must have been mistaken. The next day, we went back to the wall, but this time we went under the archway to the left and followed the wall under uh, and behind hidden medieval residential structures that extended for another 1,400 feet underground. We came upon a section of wall that uh, gave the group more room to gather for some reason. I was once again compelled to go to the exposed section of the wall and pray the names of my family into that wall. The same thing happened, guys. It became dead silent, and I heard once again, Greg, your family is in the palm of my hands. I knew this time, without a doubt, God had conveyed to me, 
I was not alone to shoulder the responsibilities as the leader of my family. He was shouldering it with me. I came out of that tunnel, guys, renewed, uplifted, encouraged. I felt like the weight of the world had been lifted for me. I would not have experienced this blessing had I not set my pride aside and, and prayed uh, what was on my heart. But in, in direct answer to your, to your question, there are times we don't feel like praying. There are times we're so burdened by what we're experiencing. The last thing we want to do is bend the knee and, and go to the Lord with our problems. As a matter of fact, we may be angry with them at the moment, but that's the very time that we need to objectively make a decision to pray. And, and like David did in so many of his laments, in the Psalms, lay our heart bare before God. It doesn't come easy, and uh, there are times when we won't want to, but that's just the time we need to go to the heart of God. The enemy doesn't want us to communicate during those periods, but the Lord wants to hear from us, and so we need to do it anyway. All right, we'll take a short break. Prayer series with Dr. Greg Borgon as our guest. We'll be right back. Talking prayer, which we do on Wednesdays, Dr. Peter Kapsner and I are um, in a prayer series, which has an indefinite date. We don't know when we're going to stop doing this. No, we don't. Not for a while. No, maybe we should pray about it. I think we should. (laughs) (laughs) But it has been, I mean, we don't, there's so many different dimensions of it, even some of what Greg has been covering today. I mean, I'm sitting here thinking about the Western Wall and in Jerusalem and Mm -hmm. having had a chance to be there. And and the space felt kind of thin there. I know that some people talk about spaces in this world that feel thin, where the veil between heaven and earth somehow comes together. And Greg, it sure sounds like at that space, there was some, some, almost a convergence of heaven and earth where that veil was a bit thin. Well, at least it it was for me. You know, I want to be careful. I the only time I believe I've ever heard the voice of God was this instance and two other instances, but I don't go to prayer to hear the voice of God. If I choose, if, if somehow he reveals it to me, then I'm, I'm certainly going to be blessed by it. But, but for our audience, we need to understand that we hear primarily the voice from, of, of God in scripture. And so um, in this particular case, however, uh, God came into my weakness, and maybe you're right, Peter, maybe that it, it was very thin, and, and God just reached out to me. He knew that that's exactly what I needed at the moment. I can't tell you how despondent I was, but after the second occurrence, how buoyed I was, having heard what I believe to be the voice of God in answer to my desperate prayer. That's... Uh powerful that you had had it twice and when you realized that you went on this trip to try to recharge hoping that you would hear the voice of god and it didn't come at first what if it had not come at all Mm. well you know again hearing the voice of god like i said i I would have relied on scripture and Mm -hmm. hearing that but i really went there with an absolute hope that somehow the burden that I felt was going to be lifted off of my shoulders. That's what I meant by hearing the voice of God, uh, to to have a dramatic encounter in some way, some fashion or form, 
so that this burden would be lifted. And that's exactly what happened. It just, it was icing on the cake that it happened to be what I believe was the voice of God to me personally. Greg, your family's in the palm of my hand. Greg, do you ever uh, feel prompted, uh, not just for your own life, but to pray for somebody else? Maybe you're just, uh, you know, in your prayer time at home or just even kind of walking throughout your day and and suddenly you feel this sort of overwhelming urge. I need to be praying for that person. I know a lot of our listeners will talk about that. I mean, what do you think is going on in these moments? Well, I think it's God uh, just, just you know, bringing us as a part of the fellowship of believers, uh, sensing a need. When The closer we draw to the heart of God, the more that we feel as God feels. And so we can come by somebody and sense a real need without them even having to verbalize it. And that could compel us right away to pray for them. That's happened to, to me regularly. When people call me up or um, and, and ask me to pray for them, I, I don't wait. I say, can I pray for you right now? And so, uh, you know, that's, that's part of being a, a member of the Fellowship of Believers. But you can be prompted to, be, to pray for somebody just by noticing some circumstances. I mean, when you have a biblical worldview and you see the world as God sees it, and you engage it as God would have you engage it, there's things that you can pick up because the spirit that resides in you resides in others as well that have received Jesus— but even those that have not received Jesus, the Spirit convicts the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. So there's always the dynamic of you, the person you feel a need to pray for, and the Spirit who compelled you to do so to begin with. That's really good. I had to think about that. You know, every time yeah. I um, hear something, I, I it always takes me a second or two to... Trying to sort through it. Well, and this is a question we haven't asked you yet at this point in terms of, you know, what it means to feel prompted to pray for somebody else. We've we've talked so much about the idea of coming to God with our request and growing in familiarity with God. Yeah. But but there's this other part of this, right, where we're praying and, and have a burden for other people in, in some of these you, ways. You wake up at 2 in the morning and right. you've got this person on your brain and you, you drop to your knees and start praying for that person. And I, I don't think that was coincidental. I think that's uh, God saying this person... I want you to pray for this person. Yeah, and Greg, would you suggest that this is even some of how we we bear each other's burdens in terms of what the text invites us to do, that we, we are in it with some. I mean, you are really in it with somebody when you're praying for them on their behalf. Oh, absolutely. I mean, when you, you're feeling the pain that they're feeling or the stress or um, the weight that they're carrying, um, and you're feeling that viscerally, uh, it, it's a part of being a member of the family of God. It's like any family member that you spend time with, you can sense something's going on in their life without them verbally communicating it to you. Something's amiss. And that's happened with my grandsons. And I'd say, hey, something's going on with you right now, Galen. Can I pray for you? I just feel the need to pray for you. And oftentimes, just that prayer lifts him out of that darkness that he might be in. So, I mean, you know, it, it's just being lit, holding each other up, just mm-hmm. lifting one another up. Yeah, I've prayed with people who have been in stress. And this is always an interesting experience where they might be really down and really in the dump, but when you pray, you literally see their spirits come Mm, up. And they're like engaging on this level that they're all of a sudden joyful and and, and, and almost enthusiastic, and then the prayer ends, and it's almost like you see them sift back down into into their their state of, of feeling despair or whatever it is. It's interesting what getting into the presence of the Lord will do for your spirits, even if it's temporary. I mean, you, the Lord, through the power of the Spirit, can prompt you to, to to drill down into the emotion behind somebody's words, like, say, in a phone conversation. 
And even though they may be talking about something on, on the surface, you can sense in their voice because the Spirit gives you that ability to feel what they're feeling. And I, I've had that happen to me where I said, you know what, I don't know what's happening right now in your life. I know what you're talking to me about has nothing to do with what I'm about to say to you, but I'm just feeling a need to pray for you. Would you mind if I just pray for you? And then we pray, and all of a sudden, their, their tone of their voice changes, just like you're, relate, you're talking about, Bill. Mm-hmm. And, and so I, anytime you get a prompting, don't question where it might be coming from. Just pray. <laughs> just pray. All right, Greg, how about this for a doozy with only seven minutes to go? My, this is from a listener. My daughter had a court hearing this afternoon with her former husband regarding getting to spend more time with her teenage son. This morning, Psalm 13 was one of the scriptures I was led to while praying for them. Having heard it on the broadcast is an encouragement to me, confirming that he is at work. Amazing. Yeah. Isn't that something? <laughs> you know what was interesting, Bill, when you had um, talked to me about the Tuesday show and what I wanted to talk about, and I told you I got up at night because I just started thinking about this whole issue of prayer. I had no idea that you had another show on Wednesday about prayer. And so I just started writing things down, and and that's what led to me being on the show. And so it doesn't surprise me that God works in these wonderful ways, just like the listener that just communicated to you about the power of Psalm 13 and their life. I mean, isn't our God amazing? I mean, we should we should all just be laughing about um, how significant these things are and, and uh, how he coordinates all of this. Greg, and, and none of this stuff seems to be happenstance at the end of the day, so I'm curious what you would say about how much do we try to sort of steward our own plans into the future and then kind of pray through them, or how much do we sort of leave the future open to some degree and just pray, God, you know, show us the way. I mean, I mean clearly there's that balance between stewardship and being open, right? Sure. I mean, it, it, it is a balance. I, Brother Lawrence, you're probably familiar with him. He was a lay monk who served as a cook for the Carmelite Monastery in Paris, France. This was back in, in the 1600s. He discovered the secret of, uh, of uh, to cultivating holiness by practicing the presence of God. And, it, and what it really is, is that, you know, prayer can be audible, it can be private, or it doesn't have to include any words at all. As a matter of fact, he said, we were to pray constantly. It may be just an awareness of God's presence, uh, an appreciation for the beauty around us, which is all prayer to the Lord, which is all, a, it's actually a prayer of praise to the Lord without words. So sometimes it's planned. I mean, we all have prayer times. We have a list of people that uh, we've been compelled to pray for on a, on a regular basis. And other times it's spontaneous. Mm-hmm. And it's just out of the blue. Yeah. Greg, just with the two minutes we have left, uh, we, we talk about prayer, but I, I want to do some. Would yeah. you lead us in a, a prayer? Oh, I, I'd be happy I to. I know you would. Heavenly Father, you know what's on the hearts of our listeners. Um, you understand what they're going through. And we want to just lift them up to you, Lord, as members of your family on their behalf to advocate for them. We pray, pray your intercession into their life. We thank you for being a part of even this telecast, as was obvious by the caller that talked about uh, your son's David's psalm that he wrote so long ago and how important that was. So, Father, we're just so grateful for your love for us. We're grateful we can come to your throne of grace at any time of day or night and that you'll hear us 
and that you even hear beyond the words because the Spirit knows what's going on in our life. And so that's conveyed how that mystery happens. It's, it's hard for us as a finite human being to put that all together, but we do know this, that you love us, that you care for us, that you want to hear from us, that you enjoy just talking with us. And so, Lord, in our prayer, may we just crawl up into your lap and just bask in your unconditional love for us. Thank you so much for our time together today to talk about one of the major ways in which we can grow as followers of your Son, Jesus Christ, just through prayer, because that touches your heart as it touches ours. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Greg, thank you so much for yeah. doing the show. Great you stuff. did double duty this week, coming on the program twice in one week. Cheers. That's great a to near hear record, from you, my friend. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> indeed, it's so fun to, to have a full, come full circle like this. Yeah. <laughs> and that wraps up our show for the day. We sure appreciate you supporting Faith Radio and listening to the programs that we have on the station. I especially like it when you listen to my show. Just so you know, <laughs> it's kind of a big deal for me. That uh, is all we have for tonight. Tomorrow's going to be great. Guy Talk is going to be happening. And then John and Pam Bloom will be in the studio. They are what we call Deep Thinker Thursday. But I think the whole day tomorrow is going to be deep, deep thinkers. That's just my prediction. Have a great night, everyone, as you lay your head on that pillow. Know that God's working out his great plan in your life, and he loves you. Go to him in prayer. Tell him how much you love him. And I'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.